Good morning and welcome to WPPA Sports Saturday. Different world right now, but we're going to help get you through this morning here on AM 1360 Sports Saturday, proudly funded by CACL Financial, 1800 West Market Street in the city of Pottsville. They're always open online at CACLFCU.org. At CACL Financial, they were voted the number one lending institution for the past five years. And it's because you won't find a better fiduciary relationship anywhere. Also, we'd like to thank BG's Value Markets. Four convenient locations to serve you better in Millersburg, Jonestown, Minersville, and Pine Grove. Freshest meats for your satisfaction and in case you're stuck. Anyway, BG's, if their meat were any fresher, you'd have to slap it. And also Gears Dairy, Schuylkill County's oldest full-service family-owned dairy along the Tumbling Run Road. From the whole milk to the skim milk, to the orange juice, to the orange drink, to the iced tea, to the award-winning chocolate milk. Diet Green. Diet Green Tea. The official hydrator of Sports Saturday. And folks, I know there's a lot of questions in this world and a lot of craziness going on right now. Fine folks at BG's, of course, uh... Let's remember the folks that are employed there. And when you're going in to complain about not being able to find toilet paper or whatever, those folks are going to work whether or not the rest of us are. All throughout the area, all throughout the country. And uh, there are a lot of people in very low-paying jobs that are keeping this place going Mm -hmm. uh, in stores uh, just all over the country. And we need to give them all a shout-out. And uh, we talk all the time. (laughs) Support your local businesses. We did call out the other day from Roma and so on. Keep doing it, gang. They need our help. And, you know, I heard yesterday, well, somebody said that Gears Dairy was closed. It's not closed. They will keep the demand going for the stores. What they did was they just, you can't go to Gears Dairy now up on Tumbling Run Road as an individual and go in and purchase things right now. Find it in your grocery stores find it in those places that production will continue the dairy is operating it's just operating a little bit differently and we want you to know that that if you went there to buy a case of water or a gallon of milk or you went to get some iced tea products or something like that they're not allowing you to go directly to the dairy right now so just want to pass on that information so people aren't confused and you'll hear our small business updates running throughout the day here on wppa support them because a lot of them you know with this forced to operate different ways of course we don't want those businesses to disappear from our landscape and another big thing with us especially is many of those businesses are the reason you get to listen to especially local sports they're out there contributing so that we can put games on with your children grandchildren and Mm -hmm. so on please don't forget them at this critical time Right, it's important. And, you know, if it's takeout order and that's, that's the way it works, then, you know, give them a buzz. Maybe some of them are operating delivery. We're trying to compile a list here and help our small businesses. Millie's coming to the curb. Um, you know, it's it's just a whole lot of great things that uh, some people are trying to do to make sure that our comforts are still there. That's correct. They're, they're going out of their way. And many of them are providing things we wouldn't get. We would not get. So don't get upset. You have to wait in line a little bit or stay in your car. Whatever it takes, please, please, please make sure our local businesses survive this. 
Indeed. Well, John, there's not a whole lot of things going on sports-wise locally. There are some things introduced today. Leroy and his staff are trying their best to maintain status quo, and uh, as are we. And yes, we have nothing to report on, and our bromance has been separated. Uh, but we're rekindled here this <laughs> morning for an hour. My wife asked me three times last week, who are you? Yeah. Who are you? On a Friday and Tuesday night, it was like, who are you? But yeah, it, she, it, she, it's a shame. But She also said, how come your books aren't open and your graph paper's not out? You just bought a new stack and you're not oh, using here it. Here we go. I ran out of pens. Let's get over <laughs> it. Get over it. But anyway, John, today on the program, we have something that I think is really cool that we're going to do here at the bottom of the hour. You know, with Major League Baseball installing the instant replay mm-hmm. and stuff like that, there was a gentleman from our area who was in New York in the office as an administrator and a reviewer. And uh, we're going to talk with Benny Anchef, who has been on this program before. He, you know, he was a kid that made it to Williams Valley. He wasn't your typical-sized pitcher. Made uh, national headlines when they showed the big fella on the bump and, and what he could bring and made it into uh, the professionals and that kind of stuff and was working his way through and then blew out his knee and got into replay. So this morning, we're going to talk to him about what all goes into that. Like, a lot of people were like, you know, oh, there goes the umpire over to that headset again. Well, now we're going to find out what was the behind-the-scenes type thing and what all goes into it. Yeah, and, and we'll also be able to ask him about some of the changes that even in his young career have happened with baseball and so on with instant <coughs> replay and those kind of things. But also, <clears throat> we could get a little bit of insight into the life of a minor league ball player and what it means now for many of those minor league ball players who have been sent home. Uh, mm-hmm. He can give us pretty good insight in that, too. Looking forward to it. So that'll be an interesting spin this morning is, uh, you know, we're just keep along the educational pace here, JP. What do you think? Yeah, and uh, educationally, we don't have any updates. Uh, we I haven't heard anything from the PIAA yet as an absolute cut your head off as far as the playoffs but i gotta tell you fans based on where we are there will be no basketball playoffs please go out of your way i saw a young lady played for a place for nativity yesterday at a grocery store go out of your way to remind them what great seasons they had not going on is a big deal to kids and parents and so on make sure you say congratulations on what you did to get you where you are today. The official guidance from the PIAA in order to help people to stop asking the questions. Okay, Bob Lombardi, who I thought you guys did a great job with last week, and it was a phenomenal interview. It is up on the podcast, uh, so you can find it at Anchor.fm, Apple, Google, Spotify. Just search WPPA Sports Saturday, and it'll get you access to the podcasts. And the uh, Dr. Lombardi... Uh, interview last week is, is up there. The show is in its entirety. And uh, I, I thought it was great. And then later in this week, he, he wanted to remind schools, one, quit the gamesmanship. Don't let your kids get together. It doesn't matter if you're in season, out of season, whatever season. Everything is shut down. So stop. Just don't do it. They're following the guidance of the governor, Department of Health, CDC, They're following all of those recommendations, and it is in the hands of the individuals making the calls. Period. You know, you got to remember, 
these places, these games are played at school districts, and right now school districts are closed. So just let it go. I, I absolutely, I asked <clears throat> Dr. Lombardi that last week. What would happen, doctor, if you had people, let's say, taking their team to the Y? or taking them to some other private place and so on. And he was very honest saying, we would expect the schools to have the integrity to say, Correct. no, absolutely not. He was hoping they didn't have to put in some kind of enforcement <clears throat> clause to do this. It, it's common sense. And I gotta tell you, we were watching the news the other night, opened up a new field somewhere up north, a baseball field, and they had their kids out practicing on it. That's wrong. It's not legal. Everybody got to step back, and you had a good line. Stop the gamemanship. That game is not more important than a grandparent's life, a grandmother's life, anybody's life to put people at risk because of a cheating practice. And I can't take it. credit for that line, John. That was strictly from Doc Lombardi. Quit the gamesmanship. It's it's not important. Correct. You know, it's time to teach the other aspects of sport and, and you know, let it play out. Let's see where we go from here and how it happens. It happens. And let's not worry about this. Let's worry about getting through things, supporting each other, making sure people are taken care of and the loss of lives is diminished as less as we can have it and move on. And, uh, you know, I, I thought that was uh, pretty slick the way he put it out. And he reminded him. He said, it's not that we're 12 separate districts. So nobody's going freelancing here. We are one and we are sticking together. And uh, I just thought it was, uh, you know, a way for him to get out to remind people. Just, just put the brakes on. I mean, in my local community, they closed the parks. But not only did they close the parks, they took the basketball rims off the backboards. Mm -hmm. So kids can't go there to play ball. And I saw in some areas they're wrapping, uh, fencing around certain items in the in the park and so on. This is serious. This is serious, and all of us got to kind of <clears throat> fall in line. And again, when people say, "Oh, they they lost a chance to play in a championship," and that's a nice thing, but I have to tell you, they're all in the same boat together. Some teams that didn't win a game this year, we're already looking forward to getting together, practicing for next year. It's not just about championships. Right. Everybody's in the same boat. Correct. And, you know, we'll see how it all shakes up and where we go. And, you know, if you and I are getting back together again, who knows, you know, in that vein. Roses. We'll be, we'll candy. Be, we'll be together in, in some kind of way. Candy. You can get all your Easter candy. See, at Sea Country Store is open. You can get down and... You know, go in, get out, and uh, get your Easter stuff together. So you're okay, John. I know you want uh, those uh, chocolate bunnies and stuff. I know. I, I, you got a hanker in. I'm a chocolate bunny. You eat the ears first. I know. <laughs> it's all right. But you know, John, as the sporting world paused, I mean, some other things are still going mm -hmm. on. I, you know, it's it's crazy to see how Major League Baseball is uh, trying to figure out how they're going to play as many games as they can, depending on when life gets back to some sense of normalcy. They may go to doubleheaders, but the players are saying, if you remember, in 94, we didn't want to do that, and there's a risk of injury. But could we be seeing Major League Baseball now as doubleheaders daily? Oh, I think we will. <laughs> I absolutely think we will. Now, it's going to be a little bit of a battle with the union and so on. But I think in the big picture, you're going to see this happen. They may even expand the rosters so that the same guys didn't have to play 
uh, a doubleheader all the time. Expand the rosters a little bit. Give some people a, a chance to rest and so on. But uh, they will make accommodations to play as many games as humanly possible. I really believe that. Indeed. But uh, it'll be interesting to see how that shakes up. NFL free agency is still going Whoa. like like hotcakes. I mean, these guys are shuffling the deck more than they do at the casino. Well, they're not shuffling any decks at the casinos right now. But normally, they're, you know. Well. Yeah, I've heard. <laughs> Thank goodness. But anyway, <laughs> one of the amazing things I saw, and you know I'm not a big pro football fan. Mm-hmm. Haven't been for many, 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 many years. But it's amazing what one person can do. Tom Brady, of course, now signing with the Buccaneers. An incredible contract, like $50 million. And it's just thought I opened up the paper today. Looking at the sports odds. Mm-hmm. Sports odds. The Patri- the Buccaneers opened on their chances to win the Super Bowl at 50-1. to 1. After yesterday, 18 to 1. Oh, that line dropped in a hurry, didn't sure. it? Sure. And the Patriots, 15 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. They're now at 22 to 1. So one guy stepping in uh, can make that world of difference. And you mentioned there's a lot of other players kicking around. I know the Eagles, I think, released two of their big name people. And But this is the change. This is what pro football is about mm-hmm. yeah the almighty dollar so that's, in other words the end of is it. corn on a pirate ship now worth 50 million dollars or is it still a buccaneer it's, oh my goodness gracious <laughs> wow welcome larry thank you came in thank you that you came in <laughs> my goodness gracious i was expecting to hear bernie forgot screaming in the background the super duper <laughs> no anyway we won't go there anyway. but real quick yeah. super duper Great article today. Brilliant Bear Monoy's Danny Lawrence, wrestler of the year, and uh, Gary Keener, coach of the year from the Pozzo program. An outstanding individual in both cases. But what really struck me, Chaz, from years ago, to show you the dedication now wrestling has exploded uh, many years ago. You would look, if somebody won a hundred matches in their career, people were going gaga. It, it, it was the point of excellence. I looked at today's paper. I'm only going to go with the first team. But of the players, of the wrestlers in that, those first team, eight people there have a hundred or more victories in their career two of those are juniors at hamburg i mean the numbers which shows you the dedication that they're doing today in season off season you look at uh, gary keener uh, has just made that possible program incredible four schuylkill league titles in a row five division one three kids at the states this year i mean this is what's happening but danny lawrence Stepped it up this year, 37-3, and Schuylkill League champion, District 11 champion. And who beats him in the States? The kid from Southern Columbia, who I think could have beaten the Hulk and three <laughs> other guys at the same time. I mean, that guy was incredible. But what a great young man. And we had Joey Shimo in here last week from the Monterey area. 
And he talked about how great he is with the kids in the area, how many voluntary things he does. We have great kids involved in sports. So hats off to Danny Lawrence on an incredible season and the Pozzo Wrestling Program. Indeed, for uh, all the things they do. And it is a sacrifice, John. I mean, you think about what goes into that to make it as far as they did through their, you know, their league tournament, their district tournament, then you go to a regional tournament, then you make it to the state tournament. There's a lot going on and a lot of things you're doing in one or two days there that really puts a toll on you. Oh, it it does. It does. They talked about his training regimen, talked about how he had an injury, worked through that. Because, again, at the smaller schools, you're going to have more multi-sport athletes. Sometimes you're... You could get away with just being in one sport sometimes at the bigger school because of the numbers. But Danny went way beyond that. So hats off to him. So my question is, how's your withdrawal going? I'm all right. Are you all right? I mean, did you make it through without watching the NCAA tournament? Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, you know me. I'm, I'm getting a little antsy with college basketball now, too, because I think it's becoming more like what they used to call pro basketball, which is not basketball. Well, I, I would agree. You I mean, know how I feel about it. I mean, it. look at it. That kid from Georgia, that, that mm-hmm. outstanding six foot five kid, he's going out after his freshman year because he believes he's going to be number one. So he's out the door. That, that's correct. And I think the other guy, the Toppin, I think you pronounce it, from uh, Dayton, he's, he's going to be gone. His numbers are incredible. And uh, I don't know if the NCAA has to look at it again. You know my line. Uh, it, it gets people a little itchy, but my line has always been this. If you get a full scholarship to play basketball at, let's say, Dayton University, and they're paying for everything, and I'm talking everything because athletes do get more than the regular kids, special meals, special dorms, uh, tutors, special tutors, and so on. This is my belief. If you leave and you get a big contract with the pros, you should have to pay that money back to the school if you leave early. Pay it back. I Let agree. somebody else get in there who may not make the pros or whatever. Uh, pay it back. If if you make it big. I'm not talking about anybody. You know, you leave and nothing happens. Okay, life goes on. But uh, there, there has to be some semblance of order in this where they don't just use the schools. And I know people are going to say, I can hear them already. Well, you know, you're an Alabama fan. I feel the same way about the kids who play at Bama. Leave early to go to the pros. Pay it back. I agree. You know, and then, you know, remember when you're going back that you're paying for it there, too. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? If you should go back to complete those things, which I think are critical, then that should be mandated that you have to complete you know, whatever, at your respective university as well. If you start a degree, you should have to finish it at some point, at your pace, whatever. Yeah. But you should have to to go back and finish it. I mean, it's been uh, interesting as far as college sports and the whole discussion around the seniors and how they're going to handle that with the uh, eligibility rules. And, you know, I guess I, 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 I didn't delve too much into it, but I'm, I'm thinking that, you know, they're, they're saying you don't even have to be enrolled at this point. That's been rolled out there. I, I, this is one I could see both sides of it. Through no fault of their own, this has happened. And again, let's look at baseball. Let's look at track and field uh, teams that play in the spring. And so I, I can understand some of that. But again, I start looking and going, 
if you have no other attachment to the school other than sports, I, I think that's a stretch. I think it's a stretch. I don't know what they're going to do. I wouldn't blame them if they did it, but I, I think it's a stretch. I think I, I'm still a firm believer they ought to have minor leagues for good minor leagues for basketball, football, everything else, and don't make them go through the sham of going to a, a college, which ends up being the breeding ground anyway. Well, very, very interesting take. I just want to know how they're going to handle incoming scholarships when they still have kids with scholarships, mm-hmm. you know, with the limitations and stuff like that. That's intriguing to me. Um, you know, could it be you're just giving them a fifth year again? Are they going to have to get into, you know, maybe postgraduate work or something mm-hmm. like that where you, you keep them involved somehow? But I don't know. It's going to be just a, a whole new world. Yeah. If you're representing a university, you should be a part of it. Other than just the sport. That's me. Well, do you represent Alabama when you wear all your Alabama gear? No, I I do it to irritate people. What? Well, I wore it all to a Penn State game. Years ago, sat in the middle of the Penn State section with my good friend Howie Merrick, and uh, everybody thought that I bought a ticket from a scalper, and it ended up being a full article in the Pots Republican about the nonsense that went on, especially when I get up and I belted out the uh, alma mater of Penn State. And when all these Penn State fans looked at me in my Alabama regalia and said, how did you know the words from that? And in my drawl, I said, you know, at the University of Alabama, we respect our opponents so much, we learn all of their alma maters. <laughs> yeah, because people beside me were going, oh, they didn't even know the words. But uh, well, when I was a student, when I was a fun time, when I was a student at Penn State, they only had the video board behind us at the time in Beaver yes. Stadium. So they put the words up to the alma mater, but it was behind the student section. So we made up our own, which are not arable, but it actually went right along with the tune of, oh, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. the Penn State alma glory. Yes. And, uh, you know, it's, I can't sing it, but yeah. yeah. yeah but we but, are, you know, you uh, but have, it sounded like we were singing with the it. people. Yeah, you, we, we can have fun with that kind of stuff. And uh, But, and here's the deal, whether you like the NCAA or not, whether you like the PIAA, or not they have tough decisions to make now yeah. and i believe that was the first time i got to talk to dr lombardi and What'd you everybody was waiting and i started off by said doctor there are times that i really have a niche with the piaa he was spectacular and uh, he is. you know i'm allowed to say it i'd love to sit and have a beer with the man and talk about a lot of different things. I think you would get more of an education um, that that might be helpful in some respects. I mean, I know all of us, you, me, the sports fanatic public, we all complain about sights. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in discussing this with him a few years ago, and, uh, and it was off the air, just having a conversation with him, he said, Chaz, you know, really, that's not my call. And I'm like, really? You're the executive director of the PIAA? He said, yeah, it's not my call. He said, the district representatives get together and figure out where they're going with these. And they have a gym and the kids can play. And okay, let's go. You know, it's, it's the kids have a place to play. That's what it comes down to. And, and the decision is, is, is essentially at the district level mm-hmm. that gets the blessing of here mm-hmm. we go. But they're all in conversation with one another to figure out 
the best case scenario that they can agree upon. And he, he spoke to that because one of the complications that occurred in the tournament, there were schools saying, uh, no, you can't bring that team here because they're from a certain area where there were some outbreaks of the virus. We're not, no, you're not coming to our building. And then all of a sudden, that started to snowball mm-hmm. with other people saying, no, we're not going to do that here either. And even if they wouldn't have had fans, there still would have been custodial workers and so on that had to be there and officials, and they were not willing to put people at risk. So when you look at it at the end of the day, they absolutely did the right thing. I also told them next time I talk to them, it's probably not going to be as pleasant because I have some other questions. But on this one, 100%. I am with what the PIAA did. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, everybody was unhappy because, like, our routines were grounded to a halt, mm-hmm. you know. But we were able to, to enjoy watching our area kids participating at another level. Um, you know, some heartbreak throughout that bounce through the end of the year where, where teams were, were losing and that was it. There was some adulation with teams that maybe we didn't think would be as far as they are or win games that they that they came out victorious in and uh you know we have a real good time when, when we're seeing our area kids do these things and you know we were sitting down in milton hershey that night albeit begrudgingly some people next to us weren't happy with us <laughs> but i mean sitting there watching nativity's girls and, you know, playing against Greenwood, Scott Forty, I, I think, may have been the best coaching job of his life. And they come through that and they win. The Zemitoski girl hits all those triples when you lead into the game. Yeah, Nativity's not a three-point shooting club, but they've changed some things recently. And bang, 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 the three balls hitting from all over the place. Well, they have ten in the game? Yeah, yeah. You know and I, mean? I think it helps that I gave the official a little bit of encouragement at halftime about the fact that Nativity had not shot any foul shots. Oh, yeah. You were in his hip pocket barking <laughs> at him. That was quite comfortable. No, not really. But anyway, you know, I mean, all of this, you know, going on, we were able to see something, you know, and now we're down to nothing. But if we sit back, relax, follow the directions of whomever's telling us what we need to do to keep safety in order, and come out of it and get back to that normalcy, it's coming back. It, it, it will come back. And, you know, we left with four teams still in contention, but we could call them the champions of the area, the Nativity Boys, the Nativity Girls, Tamaka Boys, and the Monai area. Girls, that's an exciting thing for mm-hmm. the Schuylkill League that those four programs got to the stage where they are. We need to give them all the accolades we can. Indeed. And, you know, just think about what's happening and where we're going from here. Yeah, well, it was interesting. Leroy had another great article today about a little bit of nostalgia. Thinking back, he was talking about the St. Clair Mm -hmm. Championship in 1970, uh, the last Schuylkill team to win, a Schuylkill County team to win, because Lords won after that, but they're not a Schuylkill County team. But uh, it was interesting looking back because one of the ones he talked about was the uh, champion early in the PIAA with uh, the Jim Thorpe team in, wow, this is scary, 1950, I'm trying to think, I'm betting it's 
62. And the reason I, I bring that up is the legendary Kenny Klein coached up there and took them to that state championship, and I had the great honor of coaching under Kenny for a couple of years. Those nostalgia things, they're going to talk about uh, in their articles over the next couple of weeks. Another biggie from this past week, and, uh, you know, it always warms my heart because it, it changed college basketball forever. It was this past week that Texas Western, starting five black players, beat University of Kentucky and Adolph Rupp in the NCAA championship, and it changed college basketball and probably all college sports forever because black athletes became much more integrated into the system, and that paid off big time. Indeed, and you know that we were going to send you over there to cover that this week, John. We were going to, if that would have happened, yeah. we were going to send you over to interview some of those players and, and use it here this morning if that would have happened last night. Some of the great players. I didn't tell you that, that but when it was canceled, I figured, well, there's no reason to break your heart. Yeah, and I, I was lucky. I ended up going to Penn State with a couple of those guys and so on many moons ago. I was only two years old 50 years ago, but I was a child prodigy. But yeah, yeah, I could personalize it. Things are getting. <laughs> Good time for a commercial break, that's for sure. As we get set to talk to Ben and Jeff, we're going to talk about Major League Baseball replay and what's going on behind the umpires, how it all unfolds, what happens. A little bit of education this morning with the teacher in the room. It's on Sports Saturday on AM 1360, 106 FM, worldwide at WPPARadio.com. Don't forget, all of our shows are on podcast, Anchor.fm, Apple, Spotify, Google. Find it at all your fine podcast retailers. WPPA's Polka Time, Sundays, 1 till 3 p.m. Hi, Paul Congress inviting you to tune in to the widest variety of the newest and best polkas here on WPPA. We'll be coming your way right up to the start of Phillies Baseball. So set your dial to 1360 WPPA, 106 FM, or on the web, WPPARadio.com. Let's make it a date. If you're a business owner, you know that keeping track of your finances is a daily challenge. Make your banking as easy as it can be at CACL Financial. CACL Financial is the convenient, cost-effective, and friendly place to do your business banking. If you're a business that's located in or does business in Schuylkill County, become a member today. What makes a business banking relationship with CACL Financial better for you? We have business deposit accounts, free checking, and no maintenance fees and no minimum deposits. Need financing? CACL Financial offers business loans of all kinds and merchant services too. CACL Financial, business banking the way it was meant to be. That's why we've been voted the best bank in Schuylkill County in the Reader's Choice Poll for the fifth consecutive year. Call 570-628-2400 to learn more or online at caclfcu.org. Like us on Facebook. A better business banking relationship is just one step away at CACL Financial. Member NCUA Equal Housing Lender. Gears Dairy on the Tumbling Run Road is the county's oldest full-service family-owned dairy. Gears prides themselves on their high standards and offers quality produced milk products as well as orange juice, fruit drinks, and their very own popular iced tea. Make Gears a name you invite into your home every day. Look for Gears products in your favorite supermarket or convenience store. Gears Dairy on the Tumbling Run Road, the county's oldest full-service family-owned dairy, always committed to excellence. My dad is a hero. 
He goes into burning buildings. He finds people inside who need to be saved. Then he helps them get out, even when he can't breathe or see, even when he's a little scared. My dad is a firefighter. He does great things. And the best thing he can do is come home. The U.S. Fire Administration, a part of FEMA, reminds you to protect the heroes who protect our lives. Have a smoke alarm on every floor. Test it monthly. Replace the battery yearly. Do your part to get out before firefighters have to come in. The fact is, 60% of all fire deaths occur in a home without a working smoke alarm. The good news is, that's a fact that can change. For more information, visit the U.S. Fire Administration at www.usfa.fema.gov. Working for a fire-safe America. At T102 and WPPA, we feel it's very important to support our fellow small businesses during this critical time. We are providing a free service to let you know who is open for what services. We encourage you to support these small businesses any way you can, like using their delivery, takeout, or curbside services. Even consider purchasing gift cards now. They may be small, but they are a big part of our community, and we need them to stay in business. Mama Millie's, call ahead for curbside delivery. CNC Candy's Country Store, Porch Pickup, Cake Pros, in-store curbside or delivery. Mother Bears, call or text ahead for pickup. The Blue Tavern, takeout only. Grandma's Restaurant Pottsville, delivery or pickup. OIP Pottsville, delivery or pickup, call or order online. T102 and WPPA also want to remind you to practice social distancing. Wash your hands frequently and avoid gatherings of more than 10 people. If we all join together and support each other, we will get through this pandemic. Welcome back. WPPA Sports Saturday as we get set, John, to talk to a man who we want to welcome back into the area, first of all, from the Major League Replay booths, now the athletic director at Williams Valley, coming back home to show kids that, yeah, somebody from a Viking uniform can make it big, still come back and contribute to their home school and their hometown. Ben Anchef joining us this morning. Benny the Bull, as he was affectionately known. <laughs> Good morning, buddy. How are you? Good morning, guys. How are you guys doing? I'm doing well. Great. It's great to have you on, Ben. It's exciting for me. We talk about, I talk about a lot, the Williams Valley family and many of the coaches that I've known over my career out there. And you are a great addition to that family tradition at Williams Valley. I appreciate that. Yeah, I know. I know with uh, Randy, what he's established there, and the great coaches we've had, like Denny Casper and Coach Savage, and I mean Coach Stauffenberg, and all the way back. I mean, we've had mm-hmm. plenty of great coaches and and good leaders, of young men and women that that really, really do their part, and it's really a family based atmosphere out there, as you guys know. Mm-hmm. You know, Ben, as a, as a part of that from both sides, I mean, you were a player there, you were a coach there, now you're the head of the athletic department, which will be uh, coming soon to a theater near you in a time where you're scratching your head going, oh, I can't believe I walked into it right now. But coming up through that, talk about some of those values that you picked up that you've carried on to your professional life. Just the, the work, ec- work ethic established and and just the the support you get, like the community support, whether it was 
it didn't matter what sport you were doing. I mean, when I was wrestling, I was the only kid over there from Williams Valley. They would bring a school bus. Countless people took off work. They were over there Thursday, Friday. I never had much luck over in Chocolate Town, but uh, just the community support and the values that our community established and just that go-getter attitude and try to try to do the best you can be. And that's what I took into my professional life as well is just always strive to be the best you can be, get better every day. If you make a mistake, try not to make that mistake again and, and just uh, enjoying it along the way as well, having a fun time and working hard, but also – Nothing wrong with a lot of good laughs and and good times along the way as well. You know, and, and Ben, maybe you could give people a little bit of an insight now as to what's going on with the sports world and so on. You leave Williams Valley, you end up playing pro baseball at the minor league level. Could you give us some insight now to what's going on with those players in the minor league level that all of a sudden have their seasons just totally decimated and are sent home at this time uh do they have guaranteed contracts or do they go home and have to look for work uh, i i think people think it's a glorious thing all the time in the in the minors and i i think it really isn't all the time and how is it now with all this uh stuff going on well these are definitely unprecedented times and like you said a lot of people think it's, uh, if I'm even qualified to speak on the issue, but the minor league baseball system, it's not all sunshine and rainbows. Just mm-hmm. if, you're, if you're not a guy that signed for a huge signing bonus, a lot of those guys work off-season jobs, whether they substitute teach or work for a construction company or whatever they're doing. They're trying to make ends meet in the off-season while they're staying in shape. And this is their time where they're in spring training, and they actually don't get paid in spring training as well, which is a really unknown thing to a lot of people. They get like food stipends and meals and stuff, but they don't physically get paid to be at spring training. Um, so this, this time is pretty rough for those guys. I really feel for them. Um, like I said, unless they had like a guaranteed signing bonus when they came out in the draft, a lot of those guys are going to be doing the same thing they were doing in the off season, trying to make ends meet and keeping their body in shape and being ready for the season in anticipation. It's going to start up here in a month or so, which Hopefully it does, and this stuff can can wash through. But I feel for those guys. It's uh, it's a tough time where they're at, in my opinion. You know, Ben. On the other side of it, though, when injury ended your career, and uh, you found your way to a room in New York with a whole bunch of screens in front of you, just waiting to leap into action, and a lot of people questioned replay coming to baseball, and are they, you know, is it is it overtaking the game, and all these kind of things. But there's a lot that goes into that job, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely, there is. So, like like you touched on a little bit after my. My playing career was over. I really uh, honed in on the academics and, and got my master's degree, and that led me into an opportunity where I was fortunate enough to land a position up there at Major League Baseball. And there is a lot of work that goes into the replay side of things. It's not just guys like they joke about on the Internet sometimes, like messing around and just making making decisions on a whim. It's, it's very, very structured, and there's a lot of hands that go into each replay. And, and the, the umpires that are on the field are the same umpires in the room. They do rotations through, and they're the guys that are making the decisions um, on the calls on the field. So once it goes to replay in New York, there's no say for the field umpires on the field. They're waiting for a call 
from from us in New York, which we can get into details about that and just it's a very, very intricate process and a lot of hands that go into it in a very relaxed atmosphere at times and then when the replay comes in it's it's a lot of focus and really trying to do the right thing and get the call right on the field. Uh, ben, I got to give you a, a quick shout out for something you said earlier and then we'll go back. But thank you for saying something about how important your education was because you, you have lived through this and it was your education that allowed you to continue to get where you are. I'm so proud of you. I hope a lot of people out there were listening about the educational part. But let me go to the other part. You said intricacies. When you get one of these replays, is there a set number of people that go to a screen and say, okay, sit down, Ben and Jerry and whomever else. We have to look at this and come up with the decision. How does that go down? Are there two, three, four people involved in looking at it? Um, Around that number, so... Basically, every game set would have, when it goes into replay mode, so you're watching the games, usually you had two games at once, and there were six stations, and you're watching a game with an umpire at your station, and you can see the play developing, boom, play at the plate, close play. You go into replay mode, there's a whole back wall of people. So they have all these screens with a bunch of different camera angles, and they may make mosaics of a split screen if it's a really close play. The fortunate thing is the super slow-mo cameras really make bang-bang plays and enable that to be wide open for us where they're splitting hairs in the field, but we can slow it down in a sense and give the umpire beside us a good view of what's happening. And most times it's just that with the engineer in charge of the room and the man that's in charge of replay go over there and talk it out if it's really close and they might get opinions from those guys that are on top um, but most times the umpires can make the decision you might turn around and confirm with them and say hey you guys have what I have and nine times out of ten they have the same thing and it's pretty wide open and it's pretty seamless there are some times where it's pretty it's just that close where you can't even see it with the super slow-mo cameras and they end up as stood just because there's nothing that we can see on our end, unfortunately, whether the play is being blocked by something or they didn't get a camera to pan fast enough to the bag, um, whatever the case may be, there are some certain instances where that happens, but very, very rarely. You know, Ben, when we look and we see the umpires on the field go over to the little camera on the stand, they put the headset on, how many voices are in their head? So the only voice that they're hearing is the other umpire. So, in contrary to my position where I would be hearing all those guys we just talked about on the back wall, I would be able to hear the conversation that the umpires are having between the field umpire and the umpire in the replay operations center. They basically are having a conversation, but then the communication almost gets shut off to the field umpire because once they establish, like, for instance, we call them safe at first base, just use this as an example, so confirm the call that the call on the field was safe at first base, even though we saw we saw the signal just to confirm with them. And then once that com- confirmation process goes through, then we start looking at the replay. The replay gets played out. Multiple angles can be used. Once the umpire has a sufficient amount of angles that he deems fit, he'll make his decision, and then he'll get back on the headset. But during that time, it gets a little bit crazy for depending on what your position is. Um 
there's like I said, there's a lot of moving parts. So the administrator, he's announcing to the ballpark what's being challenged. After we confirm with the umpire, the back wall's shooting angles and telling the best angles to pull for the umpire because they're creating a lot of the angles that you're pulling. And to not be too long-winded about it, they're just trying to make it as easy as possible for the umpire to see what they need to see and get the call on the field and do it in a timely fashion. We try to do everything in under two minutes. Um, and last year, I believe the average time on headset was less than 50 seconds. Uh, so it's a very, very fast process. But at the end of the day, you're watching baseball. It's super enjoyable. Um, you get to learn a lot from the umpires you're sitting with and their experience. And a lot of those guys were in the minor leagues for a long time. From about from the ones I talked to, like seven to up to 14, 15 years in the minors. So they did their due diligence to get to the big leagues. And we always joke, and it's probably not even a joke, it's probably harder to make it in the big leagues as an umpire than it is as a player. Well, you, you brought up a good line there, Ben, and I was curious when you started talking about it. You have now, you, you sat next to real umpires in doing your job, and they, they were taking part in this because I think some people thought it was just other people sitting around. So that was important, but maybe you can add a personal part to this. What was the feeling of the umpires when all this really kicked in did did personalities come in where they would say i don't want to be overruled i've been doing this for so many years i don't want somebody in new york looking over my shoulder you sat with these guys how did they feel about it personally and how did they adapt to it now that it is a part of the game i think they adapted really well they're in all honesty there's no egos with those guys they they just want the call on the field to be right a lot of them are super down-to-earth, regular guys that you could sit and watch a ball game with any other time and talk sports and have a great time. And they just um, they come in and they do their job. They're so laser-focused. Mm-hmm. It's so crazy, the, the plays that when you first get there and you're like, oh, that play's close, and they're sitting there so relaxed and like, nope, he's out. The guy on the field got it right. And sure enough, you run back the replay. And like what looks so quick in real time, and they're right, I would say 95% of the time just in real time. So those guys, they, they are really, really professionals at their job, and they really don't miss much. And we don't really miss anything in the replay center. I know there's some calls that the fans get riled up about, but I can assure you that there's no bias or anything like that in replay. And every call is taken super serious, whether it's game one of the season, the playoffs, everything's done with the same focus and intent to get the call right. And it was really cool to see the process, how it worked. But like you said, to touch back on how the umpires are when they come into the room, they're focused and they're very, very professional. They they do their job. They take their job serious when they're in the replay center and just as they would, I would imagine, on the field. And I know guys on the Internet and people on the Internet might say, oh, well, they don't want their buddy to overturn them. I'm sure it's not a good feeling to overturn their buddy, but at the end of the day, they want the call right. So you know, it's but not really a, a – It's sorry. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. It's not really like a knock on them when they get an overturn because mm-hmm. – the game's so fast nowadays, too. It's just, it's it's ever evolving, especially with being a numbers game. These guys are flying around; they're throwing harder than they ever have. I mean, their their strike zones even are just they're impeccable with how good of a job they do with an imaginary box that they're judged off of, and it's not imaginary the one they're getting judged off of. But it is amazing what the human eye can do and how sharp these guys are. 
You know, it's interesting when we were talking, preparing for this this morning, Ben. There is for lack of a better way to put it, a review on the replay. I mean, there are a lot of people that after these replay scenarios come up, there's a lot of people with eyes on it after the fact to make sure the process is not only streamlined, but the calls are coming in correct. Absolutely. So actually, right after the replay happens, there's a whole team that gets set out on video. So anything that was shown to that umpire gets sent to both ball clubs that were involved with the, with the review, as well as the commissioner's office as well as we vet ourselves internally in replay. So there was a vetting process through, through internally through the replay operations center, the commissioner's office, and then both ball clubs. Like, it's very transparent. Everything that's done in the office is sent out to them. They get to see exactly what transpired. So that's, that's part of the reason it is so professional. And I think it is a, an attribute to the game. And most games, there's an average of one replay for every two games. So it isn't like it's slowing the game down, especially when they're taking less than two minutes. And all the calls that get overturned and and make the right call on the field can change the outcome of games, and it really is an important part of the game to get the call right. And, yeah, the the vetting process, though, of of how we go about it and replay is very, very good, and it keeps everybody in check, that's for sure. Well, I I find it interesting, Ben, because I know there were some – experiments done in the minor leagues and so on and I was wondering if you could broach that subject where they were talking about balls and strikes being generated by a computer view and then it is uh, communicated to the umpire behind the plate is that something you see coming in the near future after your experience in this or, or is that a step too far We'll see what happens. In my opinion, I still like the human umpire behind the dish, and I know some people vary on that. Personally, that's my personal opinion. Mm-hmm. I do think it's inev- inevitable that it will happen in, in some time. Once they get that process to be seamless, because right now I think it's a little uh, generalized in a sense where they have like a strike zone set. They're not doing it specifically for each batter. It's like a generic strike zone. I know the one that they had used in the Atlantic League, which I played in briefly, was like a generic six-foot-two strike zone, and the guy had an AirPod in his ear and was getting relayed the, the call. And if there's technical difficulties, the umpire had to make the decision anyway. I don't know if that will be in the major leagues in the coming future, but I, I think it might be an inevitability in, in the long run of things just because of how technology is advancing and – if they can get a machine that's going to be 100% right, they're probably going to go with that machine versus a human that may be 98% or 99% right. Yeah, and as a pitcher, Ben, uh, nobody knows better than you that a generic strike zone doesn't get it done when you're pitching to a six foot six guy and the next guy's five foot eleven. Uh, there, there's yep. a big difference there. Absolutely, yeah. That. That would be a pitcher's dream if you had a six foot two zone for a five foot eight, five foot ten guy. <laughs> and Jazz <laughs> and I can really pitch. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's crazy funny. that you that you had to sit there next to an umpire. How many of them did you say? You know, you umpire squeezed me when I was on the mound. How come it works that way? Come on, tell me you didn't do that to some of them. <laughs> I, some of some of them you can bust their chops. I didn't play long enough to actually probably pitch in front of any of those guys, but. Um, yeah, that's just how the game goes sometimes, whether the, the catcher's not giving them a good view or 
But these guys in the big leagues, though, I mean, I don't think they would squeeze anybody intentionally. They're they're so professional. I mean, even guys that get on them, they stay they stay composed and and they're doing their thing. They they're not really worried about the outside voices because, as you can imagine, they're getting haggled from everybody if people don't like calls, and that just goes one ear out the other, and they're doing their job. Uh, yeah, ben, yeah. At the end of the day, it is important. You're an athlete. And even if it takes a little bit more time, the bottom line is to get it right. Because if it's wrong, somebody actually gets hurt by it. So that couple of extra seconds or a minute is extremely important to make sure you get it right. Yes, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Just that that little amount of time, it's not going to really affect anybody as far as the game goes. But, yeah, to get that call right and make sure – you're affecting the game in a positive mm-hmm. manner is is really really crucial to the and beneficial to the game of baseball i believe you know benny you've been through a lot coming through the whole uh you know the high school circuit the junior college circuit then off to the collegiate level then off to the semi-pro then you know you, you've been through it all but uh, as a philadelphia phillies radio affiliate you sent me a video of a gentleman that was on the depth chart that you were on and man phillies fans have something to get excited about absolutely yeah the phillies definitely got a a great acquisition to the bullpen uh one of my best friends a good friend of mine uh, reggie mcclain he was my roommate at the university of georgia and uh i transferred out to junior college and he stayed and after the fall, we were talking. He's like, I don't know if I want to stay here, you know. Just didn't like the, the things that were going on there. And I was like, hey, I'll, I'll talk to my junior college coach. Maybe you can come down here. And, I mean, we're just about to start the season. It's going to be – we're going to be pretty good this year. And we were ranked as high as number two in the country that season. And he came down and flourished there and really had a good career down there. And he was fortunate enough to be registered as freshman year, which I was for half the year, but we won't get into that. So he got to – he got to stay uh, – he had to stay that next year at junior college, and I think he had a 10 or 11 wins and uh, went off to Missouri and, and really did well there, was SEC Pitcher of the Week multiple times, and he was on a fantastic staff there and got his way into pro ball, got drafted by the Seattle Mariners and really was doing his thing. And he was actually started the season in high A ball last year and went all the way from high A to the big leagues. Um, Reggie was more of a control pitcher in college. Not that he didn't throw hard. He was like upper 80s to low 90s with a great changeup, probably the the best changeup pitcher I've ever played with, in all honesty. And um, then I've played with multiple big leaguers. And, I mean, Tyler Herb being my high school teammate and everything like that. And he just has a, a work ethic that's un, unmatched, Reggie does. And, yeah, the Phillies are going to be happy seeing him in the bullpen. He was doing really well in spring training and, uh, when all this stuff wraps up and we get back to some normalcy, I'm, I'm sure I'll be down in Philadelphia watching him throw it a couple times for sure. Well, not that the Phillies couldn't use some bullpen help, so it sounds like they got an acquisition that was under the radar and now could prove for big things. Absolutely. Yeah, I was looking, uh, I think there was a stat on Reggie. He has a sub-1 ERA when he pitched outside of Minute Maid Park. Um <laughs> I don't know if I well, want to touch on the Astros. No, we won't, we won't, we won't go there. We won't, we won't go ahead and the Astros <laughs> use the system. Not, not as you see it, 18 innings of relief and only three earned runs pitch. So he had, he had a heck of a heck of a season last year for his Major League debut, and I'm really happy that he's going to be in Philadelphia. And he's from Atlanta. 
So he's going to get to play in the NL East in front of his mom and dad and his family and being a Georgia kid like that, that'll be really cool. You know, Ben, you get to do things now in front of your family, and that's coming back home to Williams Valley as the athletic director. But big shoes to fill with a guy that uh, you looked up to as a young man and coming through as a coach. And, well, here soon he's going to be helping you transition into being that leader at Williams Valley's athletic department. Yeah, I can't, I can't be more excited to get back home. It's honestly a dream job for me to get back and be the athletic director and be able to contribute to the community I grew up in. And, and not to sound cliche, but I think Randy Russ Lavage was the best athletic director in the state. I mean, just the stuff that he did for me as an athlete and other people, and if it was getting cleats or, or football shoes or opening up the weight room on Thanksgiving mm-hmm. or Christmas, if I had to lose weight for wrestling, I mean, drop of a hat, Randy was there and just – the time and effort he put into Williams Valley and still does. I mean, the last two years he's he's really even from a voluntary standpoint done the same thing he's always done as an athletic director and he really always puts Williams Valley first. I mean, he was an integral part of building that weight room and, and giving us a, a weight room where I lived in in high school and giving guys opportunities to better themselves and, and get on to play college ball and um, even our girls sports, fantastic and um just everything Randy's done for the school. I mean, it's going to be big shoes to fill, like you guys said, and I'm going to do everything I can to uh, do that and beyond. But, um, yeah, Randy's just fantastic, and I'm excited to learn from him and the other athletic directors in Schuylkill County and really try to try to hone in my skills as an AD. Well, I'm glad you're, you're talking about it, filling big shoes of, of Randy, because if he came back as the football coach, You'd be filling big flip flops uh, if, if, if you were to if you were the football coach. So you're going to be more comfortable in regular shoes. And again, I am thrilled that you've come back to this area and you're going to share those experiences with your kids. We're very proud of you, young man. I really appreciate that, guys. And uh, E102 has always been supportive of Williams Valley and all the sports in Schuylkill County, and just the way you guys cover everybody and stay up to date and like you guys said you follow me through college you do that with other athletes we have some other guys chipping away that i mean i know i grew up with nick slitcher and tyler herb and you have blankenhorn which i know is like all doing their thing and doing well in sports and i'm probably missing hundreds of names but we do have a, a great a great little area for for sports and uh our athletics are, are really people are passionate about it i'm excited to get back to the area i'm really excited that Williams Valley is finally in the Schuylkill League for football. Yes. I'm, I'm really excited about that. Well, Benny, we got to thank you for uh, taking time out this morning and uh, talking to us here, but we're out of time on Sports Saturday, JP. <laughs> but uh, roll. we will catch up with you as uh, things progress here and we make our way into uh, Williams Valley, hopefully when things get back to normal, to call some games and enjoy uh, our time seeing you once again. And, uh, boy, I can't wait to sit next to you in the booth. I appreciate you guys having me. Stay safe out there, and uh, hopefully see you guys around soon. Absolutely. There you have it, John Ben Anchef joining us this morning as we quickly wrap up the program here on WPPA Pottsville. we got to thank CACL Financial, BG's Value Markets, and Gears Dairy for sponsoring the program as we get set to uh, keep things rolling along here on WPPA Pottsville.